Hello and welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 104. I am your host, Noah Rochetta, and today I'm talking about our limited view. Keep in mind you don't need to use what you learned from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. You can use this stuff to learn to be a better whatever you already are. This week I've been thinking a lot about the concept of a limited view uh, in regards to uh, the questions that we ask. So one of my favorite stories in uh, Buddhist teachings is the story of the of the five blind men, or six blind men, I can't remember now, but the blind men uh, explaining or uh, describing an elephant to each other. And I've talked about this before in the podcast, so I don't, I, I don't think I need to go into detail about the specific uh, details of the story, but the gist of it is imagine five blind people describing an elephant to each other or to everyone else. The, the moral of that story is that we all have a limited view, a limited understanding, and the one who may be describing one thing accurately is totally missing uh, this other part because the complete picture is an impossibility. And so it is with life and with reality. And I recently came across this notion again, just in, in the world that I reside in, in the paragliding world, uh, we, we, we fly different types of paraglider wings. And there are probably a dozen or more major brands, manufacturers who make these wings. And then inside of each of those brands, you have uh, some of them five to 10 different wing models and styles for flying. So the you know, like a beginner wing versus an intermediate wing or a wing that's made for slalom flying versus one that's for cross-country flying and, and so on. So you can get the idea pretty quickly that there are a lot of different wings out there. Uh, and I'm talking probably hundreds, if not more. And I always find it to be interesting when in the paramotor or paragliding forums online, people ask the question, hey, which is the best wing? And it's always like, what do you mean the best wing? And, and, and the interesting thing is so many people who chime in, oh, it's this wing. Oh, I fly this wing and I've, I've been really happy with it. So this is the best wing. You know, when someone asks me that question, it's like, well, I, I don't know because I've only flown a handful of wings and I can tell you between those which ones I liked or the pros and cons. But even the one that I fly doesn't necessarily mean it's better than this other one that I flew that I no longer fly. It's just, it's based on the style of flying, where you fly, how much experience you have flying, and so many other factors. But that got me thinking along the lines of what responsibility do we have to be more skillful in the type of questions that we ask? It got me thinking, you know, if, if um, it's, it's probably not skillful for a new pilot to get on a group and ask what is the best wing or what is the best motor or what is the best whatever because that's, that's just not the right question. So again, that got me thinking, well, in what areas of my life do I do the same thing? And I ask unskillful questions because of my lack of understanding of the nature of how things are. And that's what got me back to thinking of this, you know, the teaching or the parable of the blind men describing the elephant. So I wanted to highlight a couple of things about that. I think, uh, first of all, you know, the wisdom of asking skillful questions. What does that mean? How can I be more wise in the type of questions that I ask? 
I think very similar to the mistake that's made with asking what is the best wing or what is the best flight school or what is the best whatever, we do this in our day-to-day lives when we're wondering, you know, what's the uh, what's the best job or what's the best career path or what where should I be living or uh, I'm trying to think of other examples of this uh, with relationships, you know, what's the best how do I know that I have the best relationship or what's the best partner for me when when I'm searching for a partner and a relationship or or things of that nature. We do this all the time and it, it makes me wonder, is there wisdom to be had in understanding first that life is the big elephant and from our vantage point, we're all the blind people, we're all the ones trying to describe it. And sure, you can become an expert at this one area that you encountered of the elephant. Let's say it's the elephant's foot, you know, and that's where you spend all your time. And I can give a a semi-decent opinion on what I've learned about the elephant's foot. But then what a mistake I make if I am asking uh, bigger questions beyond, beyond what I understand about the elephant's foot. If I'm starting to ask questions about what are the implications of the elephant's eye based on what I know about the elephant's toenail or something. But I think we, we all get caught up in that in our day-to-day lives. For me, this this has come with the big existential questions, right? I've, I've, I've gone through quests in my life where I'm thinking, well, what is the best ideology, the best religion, or, or, or the best, is, is it no religion? Is it uh, an absolute uh, abandoning of, of, of beliefs? or whatever. And then you kind of find that this thing that works for you, whether it's uh, something big like an ideology or religion, and you think this works for me, therefore, if someone asks you, what's the best religion? Well, then you apply that same logic, right? Where it's like, well, it's this one. Well, how do you know that? Have you tried every single one out there? Have you tried to live according to every single school of thought or philosophy that is available that, that mankind has come up with? Because if you have, then maybe you maybe it's a slightly better opinion, but still, that's it, it's impossible, right? That's not doable. It's not realistic. It simply cannot be done. And I think it goes back to well, then was it even skillful to ask that question in the first place? It's a, a question that's impossible to answer, and there isn't there isn't a right answer to that question. So with with paramotoring or with paragliding, when that question is asked, I usually try to reverse it because I I interact with um, new pilots all the time as a flight instructor. Well, a student will say, hey, what's the best wing? And I'll say, I, I like to help them understand the uh, a more skillful question and say, well, what is the best wing for you? Let's talk about that. How much do you weigh? Where will you be flying? Is it mountainous terrain? Is it high wind uh, terrain, like on the beach? What style of flying do you think you'll be doing? And then, you know, with a with a, a more complete assessment, we can answer the question of this is probably not the best wing, but this is an appropriate wing for you. And then I can I can give several opinions there. But I try to eradicate that thought of there is which is the best wing, because there is no best wing. And it's fun to think about that. Well, which is the best anything, right? Which is the best marriage? Which is the best way of parenting, which is the best diet, which is the best job, which is the best car, like all these things that we get caught up in, you can apply that same thinking to all of those. I don't know what the ideal marriage looks like. 
that there is no ideal marriage. There are marriages that work and there are marriages that are dysfunctional. And then there's a huge gray space in between. And it's been more healthy for me uh, uh, using the marriage example, because I kind of fit in that category uh, where people ask, how, you know, how does a marriage work where you have two different ideologies or different political views or different whatever that we have in our marriage? And I, I like to say, well, I don't know if that's the right question. I, I don't think the the question is, you know, what's the best way to make your marriage work? There's a lot of there's a lot of good ways and there's a lot of uh, bad ways, for lack of a better word. Let's say let's again go to skillful and unskillful. So what I wanted to share is this this way of thinking that you know the limited view that I have uh, kind of invites me to want to be more skillful with the type of questions that I have, questions about myself questions about others, questions about life, questions about the nature of reality. And we spend so much time focused on the answers. Who has the right answers? What are good answers? What are bad answers? But how often do you spend time asking, well, what are good questions and what are bad questions? Because those start with me. What are the skillful questions that I have? What questions that I have are unskillful when it comes to myself and others and life and career and relationships and all the real, the, the, the meaningful day-to-day -day things that we all interact with. Because one thing that I think gets lost sometimes in this mindfulness practice, this way of wanting to be more mindful in our lives is that we apply it to the really big upper level things, you know, a mindful way of living as a as a philosophy or as a as it pertains to worldviews. Those are big things. But the the day-to-day nitty-gritty is how does this apply to my satisfaction with my job or the healthiness of my relationship or the you know the way I interact with people at the store or at work or the feelings and emotions that arise when I'm driving my car on the street. You know, in inside of the day-to-day -day approach to living, which is really where we all are, that's that's the nitty-gritty, right? That's what really matters. Uh, what kind of questions do we have? How things are, how things should be, why it should be this way, why it shouldn't be that way. Inside of all of that, there are a lot of questions. And those questions come from us. We're the ones ask, asking the questions. And do we focus a lot on the answers? Or have we ever spent time, what would happen if we spent a little bit of time scrutinizing the questions. Do I have skillful, useful questions? And could the problem with the answers not be the answers, but actually all along it was the questions that I have? That's been a fun and fascinating uh, experiment for me over the past few days and, and, and the past week as I've explored this concept is what kind of questions do I have? And again, understanding the questions that I have ultimately gives me a slightly better and more accurate picture about myself, as I, uh, you know, as I've mentioned before, the the ultimate aim of all of this for me is that I'm getting to know me. I'm not finding any big secrets out, but I'm definitely learning a little bit more every day as I practice about understanding the nature of me, where my questions come from, why do I have that question, why does that even matter, uh, all of that kind of stuff. So again, the challenge for me is to understand what are the questions I have, and then to ask myself, are these skillful questions to have? and apply that to any area or aspect of your life. And I think that's a, a fun way to take a, a big teaching like the blind man and the elephant and apply it into a little day-to-day -day thing. Like what does that mean for me on a day-to-day -day basis in the ordinary ways that I interact with life? 
So that's my invitation to you as you explore this concept, you know, to think about that in terms in terms of I have a limited view, and if that's if if that makes sense to me that I have a limited view, then what does that say about the questions I have about that view? Can I be more skillful in the way that I approach the questions I have about everything, anything and everything in life? So that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. Piggybacking on that just a little bit, uh, another concept I've been wanting to share for a while, um, but it was kind of a short one and I didn't think it would make its own podcast episode. And this topic I just talked about is pretty short too. So I thought I would combine it with uh, something else, which is how to practice mindfulness with Facebook as the tool. Uh, Facebook seems to be the place where I see and I experience myself the rise and fall of emotional states. You know, you can be browsing and you see something that makes you feel a certain way and then you scroll just half an inch later, there's a post that evokes an entirely different emotion and now you're feeling a whole different feeling. And I've thought about why is it that Facebook seems to bring out the ugly or the bad in us but also you can see so much good there. So I've had this thought, well, how, how would you practice mindfulness in the age of Facebook? How can you use Facebook as a place to practice? Now, some people, I'm sure you, you yourself may have gone through this, but we all know somebody who signed off and said, all right, I need, I need a break from Facebook. I'm going to get off of this. Um, well, I, I mean, I've done that too. And I'm on Facebook quite regularly posting about uh, the businesses that, that that I do. I do social media for clients, but also just from my own personal life, I'm always posting pictures and videos of my uh, paramotoring and flying and stuff. But when I'm on Facebook for a long time, I, I, I always find it fascinating the, the wide range of feeling one way and immediately feeling another way and thinking, Oh, I need to unfollow this person. I don't like how that makes me feel. So it's, it's, it's gotten me thinking a little bit, can we use Facebook as a tool to practice? And I think the answer is, is yes, we can. If we understand one thing, that the point of the practice isn't to change ourselves or others, right? It's not like, hey, I'm going to look at these political posts until they stop bothering me. That's not going to be helpful. Um, I think the way to approach it is, again, for me, the practice consists entirely of getting to know myself better and better and better. So if you, if you take that as the goal of the practice and you approach something like, well, how can Facebook be a place where I practice? The, um, for me, it's been helpful to say, well, here's so-and-so's post. There they go again with this specific message or, uh, you know, pol political ones are a good one because those are so sensitive. Um, but to say, why does this bother me so much? Or why do I feel this way when I see this? Or where, I wonder where this deep emotion arises from, what causes me to feel this? With that as the premise of the practice, then yes, Facebook has been a very good place to practice. I do this specifically on, uh, we have a, a Facebook group for the podcast. Well, it's, it started as a group called Secular Buddhism, and then it's morphed into two groups. One is the Secular Buddhism podcast community, which is meant to be much more tied to the podcast. These are podcast listeners wanting to talk about things that we talk about on the podcast. It doesn't quite work that way. Uh, but then the other group, the more general one, which is the Secular Buddhism group, that one's kind of morphed into anybody uh, who just wants to talk about Buddhism and specifically from a secular lens. But uh, when, you, when you have an open space like that, you get several personalities and, and characters that show up in, in a group like that. And 
our group has uh, definitely done that. And so I wanted to talk about some of the the roles or the characters that you see on Facebook. But um, again, using the mirror of mindfulness to say, in do I ever see any of these roles in me? Am I ever playing any of these roles? And as I've done that in our in our Facebook group, I see you know there's the the brilliant one who has to come share their wisdom with us and make sure that you know that they're wise. At least that's this is again from my perspective, and I've seen myself do that. And it's it's been fun to to look for the characters, the roles, and then use that mirror of uh, mindfulness and say, when have I seen myself do that? That's been a really skillful. Uh, way for me to practice getting to know myself. It's been fun. So here's some of the ones that I've come up with that I see on Facebook groups. There's the erudite, right? This is the person that just knows. And the thing is, there really are a lot of people who know. Sometimes the people who know don't say much, uh, but sometimes you have people who say a lot because it's it's important for them to know that you know that they know right? (laughs) Um, This is the erudite who has to share their wisdom with us because, man, where would we be without their wisdom? And again, I'm not making fun of any specific person because I have seen myself do all of these at one point or another. Oh, I better share this and make sure everyone knows that I know this topic. (laughs) And now I can see it and it's almost laughable that, oh, yep, I do that too sometimes. So, Keep in mind, I see myself doing all of these things sometimes and some of them more often. So that's one. Uh, Do you ever see yourself do that, the erudite? The next one I've come up with is the peacemaker or the diplomat. You know, you get some kind of uh, uh, disagreement going in a Facebook group or a Facebook post and there's someone jumping in. Guys, yeah, but think of this or think of that. (laughs) And it's the peacemaker, the, the the diplomat that's just like, I'm really uncomfortable with contention. So I do whatever I can to minimize that. That's me personally. So this is one of the characters I play a lot, the peacemaker and the diplomat. But I can step back and see that again with the the context of where does that come from? Why does it bother me that these two people are going at it on Facebook? Why not just let them go at it? Why is it so important for me to diffuse and say, you guys, we shouldn't be, you shouldn't be fighting about that. Again, not not from the perspective of trying to decide I should be more of something or less of something. This is all done for me in the in the in light and then the practice of trying to understand myself and why I have that deep need of, of being a peacemaker. Okay, then there's the the saint or the sage, right? This is the person who similar to the erudite, but it's less about making sure that you know that I know. This is more of um, I am so holy. I need to make sure that you that everyone out there sees that what I'm about to post or what I'm about to say, it's like, wow, look at that person. They really have their life figured out, right? I I remember I was on a trip in uh, Bali a few years ago, and I wanted my wife to take a picture of me meditating on the beach. And at the time, it seemed like, yeah, that'd be fun. I want people to know that I meditate. Um, But later, as I, I sat there with it more, I'm like, wait, why do I really want to post that? And this was the sage in me, the saint in me that's saying, I need you to know that I am super holy and I can sit here on a beach and I can meditate. Um, and it, I didn't see, I didn't really understand that till later. And um, it's funny seeing that in me. And you see this in others too, right? Like, wow, I, I'm, I, thank you for sharing your holiness with us. <laughs> uh, again, I, I, 
I'm trying to be careful with this. I don't want to come across like I'm judging any of these roles because I'm just highlighting that I'm all of these things sometimes. And because that for me is a form of practice, seeing this in myself. Okay, the next one is the warrior. We all know the warrior. This is the person who's got a message and they've got to make sure you know what that message is. And thank goodness for the warriors. They're, warriors make change. And um, But I've seen myself at times being that warrior. And uh, this one for me is usually at odds with wanting to be the peacemaker. Um, but the warrior is the one that's out there that's really got a cause. And they're going to make sure you know what that cause is. Then there's the jester. The jester is the one that's always trying to make light of things and make it funny. Now this one's me a lot too, where someone will post something and my, uh, my intuitive response is to inject humor into it and to make light of it so that we don't have to take it so seriously. And I do that in, in a lot of aspects of my life. This is something I've seen about myself that um, I think can be good at times, but also at times it's like, why, why do I, I need to try to lighten things up? Let's just really get deep and talk about it. Why, why do I feel that need to inject humor? It may be, I think for me, it stems from my discomfort with confrontation and with contention, like I mentioned before. Uh, but we all know someone who's the jester, right? Then there's the cynic. And the cynic has reached the point where they're like, what's the point in even trying anything? I'm just going to not say anything. And I think this one can be com uh, kind of like the flip side to the, um, you know, the the peacemaker. It's like a, the peacemaker might say, I might be able to say something to diffuse the situation where the cynic is like, there's no point. There's no fixing this. Everything's screwed up. And I found myself to be that from time to time. Um, it's not a very common one for me, but sometimes it is. And when it is, I feel very cynical about being cynical. Um, so the cynic. How often are you that? And then there's the uh, uh, the troll. Everyone knows the troll. And of course, the troll is never us, right? The troll is always someone else. But this one's been fascinating to really entertain. Am I ever the troll? And um, I think more often than not, I'm not a troll. But in my mind, sometimes I'm the troll that's like, ooh, it would be fun to, to say this, and I won't say it or won't post it. But every now and then, I think there's the, the rascal in there that, that wants to troll people. Um, so again, all the various types of people who face, who post on Facebook, I am all of those. You are all of those. And if you, if you hear any of these and think, no, I'm definitely never that one. I don't know about that. Maybe you are. Look closer. <laughs> and again, the whole point of this isn't to say, okay, well, then I'm going to change this and I'm going to stop doing that. And I'm going to, that's not what I'm trying to get at. I'm trying to develop a more skillful relationship with myself and with the thoughts and feelings and emotions that arise in me when I'm on Facebook. And from that perspective, I think Facebook has become a, a valuable place for me to practice my mindfulness. And part of that has been scrutinizing which uh, characters and roles I play in my life, like these that I mentioned. Uh, and I think it's a fun experiment for you to explore for yourself. Do, or do you ever play any of those roles? So tying these in together, the time that we spend on Facebook and the highly uh, valuable opinions that we feel that we have about certain subjects combined with the limited view that I talked about earlier makes for an interesting case. So Facebook is this big, massive 
elephant. No, life is the elephant, but we're all on Facebook trying to uh, make sure others know how well we know about the big picture. And that's the irony is that uh, there is no big picture. No, like we don't, none of us have the big picture. We can't see it. Life is so big and so many topics and it's just, everything is so vast. And the one little area we can become experts in, uh, maybe if it's skillful to share an opinion on that, then do it. Uh, the questions we have about the other areas that we don't know, is there a way to be more skillful with the questions that we have? Is there a way to be more skillful or unskillful with the answers that we think we have about the, uh, when we're describing our area of the elephant? Those are the lines of thought that I wanted to share with you this week that I've been thinking about. And there are times in this whole way of thinking that kind of leaves me like, man, who am I to say anything about anything? I guess the most skillful thing I could do about life in general is just be quiet and not say anything. But I think silence is also skillful at times and unskillful at times. So I find myself once again in this position where, it, well, there's just me and sometimes I share things and sometimes those things can be skillful for uh, to be shared and sometimes they're probably not. But I'm just trying to go through life being a little bit uh, a better version of whatever I am, which gets right at the heart of the, the whole point of this podcast for me. So we're all just trying to become better versions of whatever we already are. So that's what I wanted to share in today's podcast episode. Uh, Facebook as a place to practice, uh, a limited view as the default understanding that I have about life and reality is that I, I have a limited view. And that's, I, I'm bound by that. I cannot have the more expansive view because I'm limited in space and time to being me, the me that's here and now that's subject to the conditioning of where I was born, how I was raised, all the views that I have, the beliefs that I have, the beliefs that I don't have, and that's, that's where I'm bound. And in the middle of all of that, can I be a little bit more skillful with the questions that I have? That's what I wanted to share with you guys. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. As always, feel free to review the podcast, share it with others, give it a rating in iTunes. And if you want to make a donation to support the work I'm doing with the podcast, you can visit secularbuddhism.com and click the donate button. But that's all I have for now. And I look forward to recording another podcast episode soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of this journey with me. Until next time.